everybody out there listening, a very warm White Cat welcome as you're tuned in to the White Cat Outdoors podcast. There he is. Welcome. Slight delay. Welcome to the episode. What? It's 29, Frank. Yeah. The, the heat's really getting to me. I can't talk, and I thought it was episode 31, uh, but it's not. It's 29, uh, and Nick's here, as always. Hey, what's going on? And Tom's here, too. Hey, everybody. Yeah, it's good It's good to be here. Uh, Glad to be in the studio. Yeah, it, we should get air conditioning in the studio. Yeah, I'm, it's moist in here. Yeah, a lot. I, I don't love it. It was like 94 when I was leaving work today. It sucked. Like, on your way home from work? I was going to say yeah. Yeah, that'd be leaving. Well, well, leaving, I guess leaving work. I was going to say leaving for work would be in the morning. Just, yeah. yeah, you're good there, Nick. Just pump the brakes. <laughs> Slow it down. Apparently he's had more than one of those beers. I haven't even had one. Just cracked it. How about that? So um, what are we talking about? We got a little housekeeping. Um, we got but White Catapalooza going on this weekend. No, we no, don't. No, no, oh. Two weekends. It's two weekends, two yeah. Weeks, yeah, 25th. Yeah, so we're pretty excited about that. Say the date. I said it, but you say it. 25th. Right? White Cat Palooza. All you listeners out there are more than welcome to come. Just message us. DM for, us here for details. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be a good time. Uh, we're giving away koozies, big time stuff. So it's going to just be <laughs> It's gonna be wild. Uh, have a little bonfire, a little cornhole action. You know, just a good time to get everybody together. So. Oh, yeah. Anything else you want to housekeep, Tom? I think the floor's pretty much swept. Yeah, that's about it. So, as Frank asked before we were rudely interrupted. I wouldn't uh, even say rudely. I think, he I just think it was a pretty it. appropriate yeah. interruption. Well, he did call it housekeeping, so we'll give him that. Yeah, um, you got to so let the housekeeping slide. We got a few things on the list of things to talk about. Uh, but A lot of it brought to us by our good friend Jimmy. I was just yeah. about to say that, actually. A lot no, of this stuff. I, I really was. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, the one that told Tom that this is where a lot of our inspiration mm-hmm. came on for yeah. this episode. So, Jimmy, uh, if you're listening, I appreciate it. Jimmy Corral. Yeah, Jimmy Corral. Uh, he's actually league commissioner for a huge softball organization uh, in northwest Pennsylvania. Um, so I think he's won Edinburgh's best mustache three years in a row, too. I yeah, think he has. He's probably going for a fourth if he keeps it up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so just a few things we're going to talk about, uh, trail cameras, uh, visual scouting, and this is all like preseason stuff, of course, uh, tree stand setup, uh, baits and attractants, attractants, lures, uh, and calls. Uh, we're going to kind of just bounce the ideas off the three of us because we each kind of do things a little differently, um, or not do it at all. Who knows? We're going to find out here soon if you keep listening. So Frank, I guess, uh, since you know we go clockwise, that'd be you next. Uh, let's just start. Do we always go clockwise? That's yes. How we do. Yeah, we do. How neat is that? We've been doing that since day one. How about it? I think so. But uh, anyway, so let's start with uh, trail cam use and how you use it, uh, like where you're putting your cameras. Well, I'll just let you get into it. Yeah, trail cameras you just preseason. Stop preseason shut cameras, up Frank. Boom. So yeah, me and Jimmy were talking about this last week at the softball game, or was it, was it last week or two weeks ago? It doesn't last matter. Week. Um, but he just you know asked me you know what do I, how he what his question was was how long do I usually leave my trail cams out and I usually leave them out for about three weeks ish at a time uh, depending on where they're at like on field edges and stuff I'll set them to pictures so I don't you know just destroy my battery because I'm obviously going to be hitting a high traffic area like on a bean field 
so I don't want to just burn through batteries like crazy. Um, so I'll set them to pictures, but ones that I have like in the woods that aren't as full of traffic, but I think are going to be like more productive as far as seeing nicer bucks that I want to actually look at. Um, I'll set those to video so I can, you know, get a little bit more, get the good angles, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and obviously the video destroys the battery on pretty much any camera that you have. I've never found one that holds up well to videos. So those ones I'll typically leave out for about the same time, two, three weeks. I'll check all my cameras at the same time and they'll usually last about five weeks. The ones that I run right now, uh, with pretty average traffic on the videos. So I'll check them at three to make sure if they got any extra traffic, then the batteries aren't dead and stuff. So yeah, that's basically how long I'll leave them out. And like I said, I like putting them on field edges, especially like this time of year, cause they're always out feeding. And dad and I actually went out the other night and it was so hot during the days, you know, the past, what, like four days has been in the nineties and cools down in like the 70s in the evening so i've been going out to our one lease and watching the bean fields and it's just been loaded with deer every single day this week just you know i saw first day i went out there i wasn't even planning on going i was just driving down the road in the evening and i noticed there was a bunch of deer out in you know every field i passed so i was like you know what i'm gonna go swing by the cement plant see what's going on over there and deer everywhere the like i walked out to the field and about 150 yards away. You know, they were just stacked I up. I you were going to say 150-inch deer. I say, <laughs> wow, that's big. Yeah. Especially this time. Yeah. No, it was not a 150. But uh, about 150 yards away, there was a nice big old bachelor group. There was, I think, five or six bucks in the in the group. And most of them were, you know, small little either four corns or baskets. But there was two, I don't want to say big bucks, but they're, you know, nice bucks. They're 18-inch eights ish I, I didn't have my binos on me so i couldn't get a great look at them but from 150 yards there was no problem seeing a bunch of points and decent width and stuff so so that was pretty exciting so i've been going back you know every day this week even though it's been ridiculously hot even like right now it's still 90 friggin degrees and it's seven o'clock at night it's ridiculous so because we're you know, based out of PA and all the states we hunt besides Ohio, uh, which we hunt public land in Ohio. So it's also illegal. There is baiting. Um, so we have baits on the list here. I wanted to talk about, so we're going to use it or talk about baits in reference to prior to the season, which we are allowed in PA. Um, I know it's not allowed in New York and I don't know about Ohio. I have no idea. <clears throat> um, but PA, you're allowed to use them before the season. So I do want to ask what kind of, like, do you use any sort of I don't, baits never on your put, trail cameras? No, I never put anything out. Uh, my dad will sometimes put, I think, Lucky Buck out, um, but Stuff I never. smells like Kool-Aid. Yeah, it literally does. I'd I, love to taste it, but I'm not confident. I've been close to tasting or mixing up. I've tasted bit. it, and I've tasted the molasses syrup that you can put, like, the. I'm sure, it just tastes sugary. Black or Magic, I think they call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Deer cane, yeah, I've tasted it all. It's not bad. I mean, you got it's like those shock collars. You know, you got to do it on yourself first. You got to know what you're dealing with. Yeah, you got to see if the deer are going to like it. Yeah, if you don't like it, what makes you think the deer are going to like exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Very but true. yeah, so I, I don't use any of that stuff on mine. Like I said, I'll put it on like bean fields and stuff just so it's a that's a natural attractant. Or just high traffic areas, that's all I use for my trail cameras. I never put stuff on it to bring the deer to it. Gotcha. Tommy, how are you uh, using trail cameras to benefit your hunting well nick i'll tell you <laughs> right now 
All I'm interested, I'm not trying to pattern deer right now. I'm just trying to get an inventory. Yeah, of same. That's basically what kind what of deer doing. are in the area. And the way I go about doing that is feeders, buddy. Feeders. So you're you're a Ted Nugent bait kind of guy. In the preseason, yes. Thirty days before the season, you better believe those feeders are pulled. And there's good. They better be. Yeah. Not a ounce of bait left. That's I'll bait. Dig up my sights. Well, you better so. not even have a half ounce. Yeah. So none. Zero. Good. Yeah. So I got out at our new farm here. Um, three feeders. I fill them with corn. You know, deer love corn. And oh, always. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, and I'll put a mineral block out there next to it, just, you know, see what they like. And, you put uh, it right with the corn feeder? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, right next to it. <laughs> if they're going to eat the corn, they're going to lick the mineral block. Well, I wasn't sure if you used them, like, separately. Like, you put one on one camera and one on another. Like, you put the corn feeder Tom in doubles field. down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, I'm trying to figure out what I got in my block. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it helps get another like angle of the deer. salt or minerals. What? You said, what do you got in your block? It's usually salt or minerals. You're an idiot. Yeah, Nick, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> in the square that I'm hunting. Oh, oh, okay. You're just Back to shapes. Here, um, it's been a while since we've had a shapes with Tom. Well, technically yeah. a, a block shape. Yeah. It is a shape. Anyway, yeah, so that's what I do 30 days, up to 30 days before the season. Okay. And I get my inventory of... Find your hit list. Yeah, got my hit list. And then I pull my cameras and, or no, I don't, sorry. Pull, pull your feeders. feeders. There you go. Pull the feeders, pull the bait blocks. And then I move the cameras to deer trails. And the preseason and early archery season, I focus basically all my attention on the food source or travel areas to a food source. Mm-hmm. So I'll put my camera right on the edge of a field, you know, facing the field, or you know, in the woods on a deer trail leading out into the woods, or out into the field, I'm sorry. <laughs> that way, you know, I, I can catch, you know, what's coming out into that field, and I can catch them, you know, in the woods before it gets dark out. So mm-hmm. a little bit earlier, you know, I haven't... Little yeah, just cut them off before they staging get there. areas. I think. Yeah, yeah. What they like to call it. Yeah, I've noticed. You know, a lot of the spots that I hunt around fields, uh, there's like some thicker hedgerows, and a lot of times they'll get into those thick hedgerows, and I've watched them just come up. You know, within ten feet of the edge, you know, of the field, and just stand there and stare, and they just survey the field for ten, fifteen minutes before they walk out. So even though they're right there. They're not in somewhere that you can shoot, so if you just back it up on the other side of the hedgerow or whatever, you can cut them off before they stand there for 10 minutes because if they come right at last light, they're standing there. You know, By the time they step out, you don't have a shot. It's too late. Yeah, so early archery season, if you can position yourself in between bedding and food, I think you're pretty good, pretty well set. And that's, that's where I put my cameras You know, 30 days before the season just to try and figure out what I got coming through there and Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I like to leave mine out all year. Oh not, yeah, or well, like all, especially all season. I, I like to leave them after the season to see yeah. what made it through. I get a second inventory after mm-hmm. gun season. I put my feeders back out, mm-hmm. so I see 
what made it through the deer season, what I have to look forward to next year. Yeah, and I like to leave mine like throughout the season, or I'll tweak them a little bit if I'm hunting a spot. You know, I'll move them, you know, around like the outer reaches of where I can see to get a better feel, like how stuff's traveling to me, or like I have a few stands that I've noticed, like there's like a 10 day window for that spot. And actually it's where I killed the, my Pope and young buck before October 20th. You might as well not even sit in the stand. You know, it's, you weren't, I've never saw deer before October 20th. And then until like the first few days of November, like to the 5th of November, after that, it cooled back off. It was a great spot in that time, but in between or before and after, I mean, it's, you know, not even worth going there. So I think leaving cameras in certain spots during the season will show you their different travel patterns throughout the season, you know, as the rut comes and goes, the pre-rut, and, you know, because they do totally different things at different times of the season, you know, right. just throughout the month but and a half of archery season. They do the same thing year after year. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's a big buck, and he's obviously, you know, the most dominant buck in that area. He has the prime bedding spot. He yeah. knows what's safest for him, what works the best for him. Well, if that buck gets shot, the, yeah, the next, next buck one's moving right is in. moving right into where that one was because he had the prime spot. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that a lot with you. Like you have, like Frank said, a good spot. And that's how my dad shot, where I shot my Pope and Young buck. Two years before that, my dad shot, and it was just shy of 130. I think it was like 128. Uh you know, out of the exact same stand, you know, the deer were standing like five feet apart from where we shot them. So, you know, and it was the same time frame. you know, it's just certain spots produce, you know, good bucks at certain times, you know, it could be a great spot this time, but you know, a few days before or after you're not going to have anything going on. And like you said, when you kill that nice buck, the next one's probably going to move in. But, and then, you know, once the season moves on, um, I start, I move my cameras to scrapes, big scrape yeah, guy. Yeah, me too. I love, love putting a sca- camera, camera on a scrape. Cause See, I'm going to say real quick, um, I'm not a fan of doing cameras on scrapes, and only because you're missing out. Mm-hmm. Only because, um, and you can, I'm sure you will disagree with me because <laughs> I will. You guys do this, um, but I try to stay like away from like going to a scrape that I don't have to go to and like check cameras and stuff. If I had maybe like a cell camera, I might consider putting them on there. But when I'm like hunting scrapes and stuff, like I try and stay away from where a deer is probably going to access it. And I just hate to go in there constantly checking a camera every couple weeks, like throughout the season and stuff. Like I check it when I hunt. Yeah, exactly. I check them when I hunt or like, so what, what does that benefit you? If you're only checking it when you hunt, like what are you gaining from, like, well, well, I mean, if, if it's a spot that you hunt in the evening, you check it and you're getting a bunch of morning pictures, then... Then you know to step in in the morning. Yeah. Okay. But, like, you're saying, you know, you don't want to keep going in, but how many field edges do you walk down? Anywhere there's an apple tree hanging out into the field, there's a scrape under it. Yeah, I guess and I'm talking more... And you walk those more, field edges all the time. I guess I'm and it doesn't considering deer. more, like the, uh, like, the scrapes you're finding for more like mating versus like yeah. the ones on field edges a lot of times yeah, are more they're more territorial territory scrapes, yeah. um, and i think territory scrapes i would have no problem putting cameras on but when it comes to like the scrapes that are outside bedding areas and the big me, breeding scrapes. yeah big breeding scrapes i would probably at least me I, well i'm not going to say probably i do stay away from putting cameras on those just because i don't want unwanted or unnecessary traffic mm-hmm. to those ones 
but I do understand like the ones that are on field edges and stuff that you're going to yeah, want you're not going to disturb the deer yeah, going it, to those. Um, I mean, and I, I piss in scrapes, not in, not in breeding areas, but yeah, I'll take one. Frank's asking beers in case anybody didn't know. Um, but yeah, Nick, I agree. I'll, I'll make my own scrape and piss right in it, right? 20 yards from my stand. I've had deer literally come right to it, which I don't know if I'd recommend that strategy. Seen it work, but doesn't mean to do it. I don't all the know time. if it. You know, I've never had a big buck. Oh, the four horns love it. Oh though. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I'm going to talk about since we're already. I'm starting to talk about what I don't do with cameras. I'm just going to jump right into what I use cameras for. Um, and I'm a bit of a hybrid user. I do have one camera over some bait, um, and that's like Tom said for inventory purposes. Yeah. Um, just to try and see what's on the farm because I mean, obviously you put a corn pile out, you're going to attract some deer. Around. Oh yeah. Um, Even if it's not a spot you plan on hunting anywhere near, you just want to see stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I'm just trying to see what's in the area. And then I also use cameras, so I will do a little bit of scouting in the woods and not necessarily like sitting and like looking for deer it's more trying to find like heavily used uh trails close to bedding mm-hmm. um not like necessarily right on it but trying to find like those heavily used trails where there's a lot of mature sized tracks yeah. in it and then i will put cameras um not so one thing i've learned over the years is not putting it like perpendicular to the trail um and go more not quite parallel but like yeah, in an angle mean. down and i always i do videos as well and that way you get more of a uh like a a better angle of the deer because if you put it perpendicular to the trail sometimes you just get the ass end i was just gonna say a lot of them they don't trip fast enough so you just get the ass of the deer as they're exiting the view of the camera so it's kind of like a wasted picture video or whatever but yeah so what i like to do is kind of put it in angle so as they're coming across you get a better chance of a good shot um but throughout the season like like i do like to leave my cameras up late and Partially, I think a little bit of that is just a little bit of laziness. Once the season hits, I'm just busy and don't feel like pulling cameras. But it's always cool to see. Um, it, I think it's. I mean, it's good to see that because the following year you can kind of see what deer are doing mm-hmm. at different and, times. Yeah, and, and you can't hunt every spot that you have exactly. every day. So if you have a camera, you know, at this stand, and you want to hunt another spot. You know, even if you do get a big buck on that camera, it kind of pisses you off. Like, oh, I didn't get the opportunity when he was right there. But you learned, like I was saying, with the dates for certain stands, you know, or hot spots, you le- you can learn when those time frames are for that stand, you know. Which, just like real quick, um, that new camera I'm using also has like a prime time thing where it like, and I think there's other cameras that are doing it now too, that like log what time the pictures are being taken. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a little graphic on like what the highlight time that most pictures are being taken and and that could i mean if you've got a windy day it's going to throw it off when it takes pictures of grass but if you're going to go through your pictures and stuff it does kind of help show when you're getting the most activity which i haven't used it during the season yet but it might be neat to see how that works yeah and it's easier to look at that graph or whatever than sitting trying to write down every single time of every picture you have so but that's about all i have for cameras um and baits on cameras obviously no baits during the season but um obvi the next thing i want to get to is i already hinted on it a little bit is scouting um prior to the season uh jimmy didn't talk too much about scouting no we weren't really talking um, about scouting but i felt like much. because we're on cameras and some other things we're covering um scouting's a big part of preparing for the season you know we've been already talked about food plots and stuff throughout the 
summer we got Owen Zimmer on. Yeah. Um, and I think we're getting to a point where scouting is going to start. I mean, I'm already starting. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I said, mean, me, anybody, I've been going out to our yeah, one lease every day this week. Yeah, just looking around. I know we've been doing some scouting, but I know we'll just talk a little bit about how we're going about that and what we're doing to prepare for the season. So we'll start with Frank. Yeah. Again. I pretty much, I just pretty much, you know, wherever I want to hunt, you know, different spots that I have, an idea maybe I want to try them, I'll just, you know, I'll take my climber out and I'll go sit, you know, I'll sit for an evening or a couple of evenings in a row and just see what it looks like or just wander around, find a good trail and set up my stand and hang out for, you know, whatever. And obviously that'll change as the season approaches, the different, you know, temperatures and rut coming up, it'll change the patterns and stuff, but at least it'll, it gives you an idea. And once you have like your rough idea, then you can tweak once the season shows up as you sit there during season and notice them, you know, oh, I, I see deer more like 50 yards over this way a little bit more. So you can just tweak your stand a little bit here and there to refine it once the season comes. But you do the majority of the work and get your basic area before the season just by literally hunting, you know, without, without a weapon. Yeah. That's kind of how I approach it as well. Like when you're in the woods and stuff is just act as if you are hunting yeah exactly and just try and put yourself in a position to kill yeah and that's basically basically what i do is i pretend okay i'm going out to kill a deer tonight even though you know i don't bring a weapon or anything i'll just bring my binoculars and a camera and sometime your greatest weapon is your mind not yours i think that was william shakespeare wake snake spear snake spear snake beard snake beard yeah i heard they got long ones yeah um yeah i'm gonna have to disagree with you too Mm. that's just my opinion I don't Sounds like a stupid opinion. Yeah, you see, the thing of it is, scholars and doctors <laughs> all around. I can't. Already, this is gonna be dumb. <laughs> no, it's not dumb. <laughs> well, everybody says your best hunt is your first hunt in a stand. Yeah. So I mean, you hang your stand, or you go into a spot and hunt it five, six times before the season. Well, now your sense on that tree, your sense in that area. And those deer may not affiliate it with danger, but they know something new is in that area. Um, so I do my scouting from a distance. I was actually going to bring something up like that later on, uh, like the whole first sit being great. But I'll pretend you didn't talk about it. And, and then you don't know. bring it up. Yeah, like it was my idea the whole yeah. time. Yeah, so I will, I'll just... Observation sits. Yeah, observation sits. And usually it's from my truck on the road. Mm-hmm. you know just completely can, stay out of it just yeah just watch them come out into the field you know night after night see where they're coming out well i'll do that well, on yeah fields. i guess see that makes tom's big time field hunter well i i do um, quite a bit too so. see i'm i'm not there's it's for where i like to hunt it's really tough to sit yeah, from my truck where yeah, you're not going to be able to sit a, in the truck when you're hunting halfway through the square yes yeah, so i'm not a big uh i mean i i will hunt fields i'm not going to go on yeah. record saying i don't hunt fields um, but that's not where I find most of my success. The only time I've actually, I've, only one of my bucks I've killed on a, like a food source. Mm-hmm. Everything else has been in the woods. I mean, food source probably had something to do with it because, but I'm not sitting on a field edge. But anyway, Tom. I've I, killed him in the fields, in the food source, in the woods. Yeah. I don't Same don't matter. Bedding areas, you name it. Nick just doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. I don't even, yeah. Anyway. So yeah. Keep consistent distance on that mic who needs it 
get real. That's why we're looking at getting new mics because we have children <laughs> like you on. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I watch from the field, see where they're coming out into the woods, and you know, I see them coming out in the same spot every night right before dark. If the wind's right, I'll hunt it opening day. And yeah, then and then even changes. But even yeah. like you know, if <laughs> normally, even if you don't hunt the field edge, you see where they're coming out. Yeah, yeah. So then you can back into the woods. You know, and if it's not like you see them coming out right here every day, they're not going to be you know a hundred yards away and then walk the field edge right to where they come out. You know, most of the time anyway. Yeah, they're gonna come from walk. the woods. So yeah, you can pinpoint a little bit more that way, but just by watching them come out. Yeah, that's just how I go about it. So for me, my scouting actually starts in. I'm sure some people are going to recant their statements too. Uh, my scouting starts back closer to like February and March yeah. uh, when I start shed hunting. Because, um, you know, this is going to sound extremely elementary, but just going to throw it out there. If, you know, you find sheds, you know that bucks are traveling in that area. Obvi- I mean, it's very obvious, but think about that. If you're out shed hunting, you know, if you're finding an area that's got several sheds, it's probably a good spot to be. Yeah, they're spending um, time there. So that's when my scouting starts. Um, but then, you know, as summer goes along, me and Tom do a lot of spotting or glassing how, like at night and stuff. Well, spotting is more or less inventory. That's an inventory well. thing. Um, just trying just to figure out what's, what's in the area. area. Yeah. Um, which it's is kind of like, tough to tell where the deer came from when it's nine thirty at night and they're already in the middle of the field. Yeah. 400 yards out. Well, in you the field. just look at the way they're pointing and the way that their tail shakes. And that's a dead giveaway of where they came from. Gotcha. Backtrack it. Yeah, snakes sense. do the same way. The way the cut is on a snake's poop tells you exactly where they're heading. And they, so, they won't change direction. Mm-mm. Never. No, it's it's actually it's it's like a compass. It really is. The side that gets pinched off, you follow that like a little arrow. It's like the north on a needle for a compass. It always points north. No, always it, points the way the snake's going. Yeah, it's like a compass, oh. a snake compass for that specific snake. Yeah, never failed me yet. But anyway, works for deer if you know, like they they have just little round pellets, so they don't really pinch it off. But yeah, so like I said, that's just a little tidbit of information for that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't regard any of that. <laughs> Mixed just, brain power, hard at work again. Yeah, yeah, just disregard that last forty-five <laughs> second spiel. Yeah, we'll put a warning in there. Don't pay attention to the next forty-five seconds of information. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, so. I do a lot of glassing and then putting my trail cameras out starts, you know, the scouting that's going to be more realistic for hunting. Um, what I do once I get my cameras in, like the ones that I've got in the woods that are on heavily used trails, I start like walking different ways into that camera just to try and see other areas that I maybe didn't see. And sometimes I'll move cameras based on that. If, you know, one camera's starting to go dry, but I see well, and not only up. for cameras, walking in different ways, you might find a better way to approach the area because a lot exactly. of times you find a spot like, oh, this is a really good spot. I would really like to hunt there. But the way I'm coming in, I feel like I'm going to be blowing deer out every time yeah. I go in. So if you walk it from several different ways before the season, you might find, okay, this is a nice, quiet, easy walk in. I'm not blowing shit out every time I go by. Yeah, and I use Onyx to help me with that too. Yeah, same. Marking spots on my way in and then even um, tracing my track. Like, or what, what is that feature called? Track tracer. Is that Just what exactly what it is? Laying a track, yeah. Yeah, um, which is nice because if you do find a way that was super quiet, you felt was not very invasive, follow that trail in, um, you can label it as, you know, access to this area or whatever. Um, so that's what's nice about 
using Onyx. While even with trail cameras, I mark all my cameras mm-hmm. on Onyx, and they've got so many different options. You can mark scrapes and rubs and trails and everything. Yeah. Um, but then you know, once the season starts, I still do a little bit of scouting. I well, anytime you're hunting, yeah. You're any ha- any scouting. hunt is basically scouting, but I don't really do any observation sits. I mean, kind of observation sits during the season, but. My thing is like if I'm hunting, it's during the season. It's a small window throughout the year. I want to be in a point where I feel like I can kill, or I'm going to. Yeah. You're, I'm not going to have the confidence or the excitement of being in the woods. Like if I set myself into a place where I'm just observing tonight, I'm not going to try and kill anything. It's kind of already setting the stage yeah. for nothing to happen. Yeah. So even if I am observing an area, I like to be in an opportunity to kill still. Yeah, you still want your setup to be. Yeah, I mean, because there's been places I've hunted where, you know, I set up my stand, hunt it, realize that all the action is 60 yards deeper yeah, or something. Sure, so then yeah. the next time I go, I just get in there a little bit deeper on them. Yeah, just and, bump over wherever you see the traffic. Yeah. So, but that's how I'm, you know, scouting up throughout the season. Like I said, it pretty much starts as soon as antlers start dropping. Yeah. But um, the next thing, now that we're, you know, we've gotten through scouting and everything, now this one is another... Uh, James Corral, uh, softball league commissioner himself, uh, question was... Mustache growing son of a gun. Yeah, that's him. You guys know him. You love him. Uh, tree stand setup. So he's he's on target for a big buck he's been watching for a while. And he's was asking me and Frank about how we go about setting up tree stands, when to trim them, when not to trim them, how to trim them, um, and just that, that kind of sort of thing. So we'll just, you know... We're doing clockwise. the clockwise oh, of thing. Of course, again? we aren't going to switch it up now. Hey, okay. Frank, can I get a beer? Yeah, buddy. Just give me one sec. I, it was supposed to be my turn to talk, but we'll we'll take a pause. Nick, you want? Do you have something to say in the meantime? Tell yeah. us a joke. That's uh, little Johnny comes home from school one day, slightly confused. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, now that Tom has wasted enough time by starting a joke that we're not going to tell, Frank's back. I sure am. Uh, so I actually have. Two complete opposite schools of thought on the whole stand placement. Right, and so I'm just going to ask the way you do this. Can you do one and the other and not try and like yeah. bounce back and forth just so it's very cut and dry? Yeah. So and they, they have like their place, I guess. So if I'm hunting a field edge, like an early season sits, I like to do field edges. So for those stands, I like to be done you know stand set all the pruning done ready to go well before the season like right now basically you know a couple months before the season i get it done so it's got way more than enough time to settle down the deer can get used to any branches that you trim and you know different things that you change so like i I really noticed at one time my dad trimmed and moved a stand that was on a field that i was hunting the fields you know probably a 20 acre field um and i was sitting on one side of it and my dad moved to stand on the other side it was probably 400 yards 500 yards from me and i had been seeing a lot of deer coming out over near that stand from where i was at and he moved it on i think it was like a monday or something doesn't matter what day it was and i hunted it the next day and no deer went over there and i saw a couple deer that would come out in the field like several hundred yards from that spot and they'd walk out and they would immediately go into panic mode you know they tensed up they were real flighty 
they'd look over there and notice that, you know, a bunch of branches were cut and, you know, stacked up, you know, pushed off to the side next to that stand. There was a lot different that they were looking at. So for setups like that, I really like to have it done as early as possible. So those deer that might make their way to you, they come out into that field and they're at ease. You know, they don't come out and they're like, oh shit, that's totally different than it was yesterday. So, and I think that setup, I want them done early because they can see so much farther out in the field. So they have a lot more time to react and notice something is wrong before they are right on top of you in bow range. And my other school of thought is, you know, like with the mobile hunting, you know, we're, everybody knows we're big time mobile hunters. That huge. I, huge. That's where I was going back with the whole virgin sit thing. I think, you know, the first sit is the best sit in that situation because if I'm, you know, deep in the woods and on bedding or whatever, you get into a spot and set up, the deer have no clue you've been there, and before they even notice something is awry, there's a branch cut, you can already put an arrow in them because they can't see 500 yards down through the woods. You know, by the time they notice it, they're within 40 yards. And that's why, you know, I have the two totally different things that I do, but it has its application. Yeah, it's different locations. Yeah, so it's... That uh, I pretty much don't deviate from that unless, like, I set up a stand, you know, like a permanent stand that I would want set up well before the season. If I sit in it a bunch of times and I'm like, wow, this is really buns, like, I'm not seeing anything here. Like, all my traffic is 100 yards to, you know, this side or 50 yards to that side. I'm not in bow range. Then I'll move something during season and... Well, yeah, because that some chance is better than no chance yeah exactly if you're if you're in a bad spot it is what it is it's a bad spot but if you're in a good spot i think you don't want to risk messing that up with cutting a bunch of stuff and you know giving the deer something new to look at that'll make them a little nervous but like i said that depends on your situation and where exactly it is tom what's up yeah doing a podcast yeah headphones the mic we got it all yeah the question about tree stand setup is on the table at the time yeah so trimming i i i'm agreeing with frank you know permanent he's got two if you'd let me finish one damn sentence tom can you finish the sentence may i nick i don't want to interrupt you go thanks Permanent stands, yeah, get in there early, trim them out, give it a little bit of time to grow back, look natural again, you know, make the deer feel comfortable in that area, but like he said, big mobile guy, get in there, maybe, I I don't trim when I'm mobile hunting. If I need to, you know, snip a branch to get up the tree, yeah, but I'm not going to cut a clear 20-yard strip one north, east, south, and west. You know? Yeah, with mobile hunting, you try to more set up so that you don't have to disturb a bunch of stuff. And if you do, then you don't disturb a bunch of stuff. You just kind of nip a limb here or there like you were saying. It's not like a huge change. Yeah, I'm not cutting shooting lanes, you know, like you mm-hmm. would for gun season or a tree stand that you're shooting out into a field. Yeah. Something like that. No. When I set up, 
this is my first year with the mobile tree stand with the sticks and you say you've been mobile hunting but yeah big climber guy yeah love the climber huge fan wasn't a huge fan of not being able to get up any tree you wanted yeah so you went to your old pal nick and said nick you need pro- to have lone wolf custom gear I gotta, stuff. I got a problem. It's actually an XOP. Oh, yours is an XOP? I have an XOP climber. Me and Frank are still uh, anxiously waiting for lone wolf custom gears products. But we won't get into that. We're just anxiously waiting. Uh, Any hooser. Yeah, big climber guy. I would set myself up in a situation where my shots were going to be 20 yards or less. Yeah, same. Where you don't need to trim anything. What would you call that sort of setup, Tom? Like top pin action is what I like to call it, and I'll I like to smoke them under ten yards. I'll do it again and again. Oh yeah, it's fun stuff. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I do the same thing when I'm setting up my mobile setup. It's I want my shots to be you know fifteen twenty yards. I yeah, don't, like I don't I my closest shot I think was seven. I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah, when you get a little too close, it gets pretty. Twenty dicey. yards is fifteen perfect. to twenty is like that is Money. the sweet spot. Yeah, when I like to be, you know, twelve to fourteen feet ish. You know, I'll go a little higher, I'll go a little lower, but you're telling me you're not thirty plus. No, I mean, I've heard it's a whole new hunting experience. Thirty feet up in a tree, uh, I'm not buying it. Not necessarily <laughs> a good experience, just just a new one. It's called skyline. Yeah, so you know, I'll. 10 to 14 is where you'll find me. The deer won't find me, though. You know? No, they will not. <laughs> um, yeah, so that 15 so to dumb. 20 yards, that it's not dumb. <laughs> I heard you mumble that. <laughs> <laughs> that way, it's a, you're not shooting a huge, steep angle. It's just... Yeah. It's, it's perfect. It's, it's just money. right. It's top 10 yeah, action. It, just, it feels right. Yeah. How about you, Nick? What, what's yours? Do you agree with me and Tom, or are you going to have some stupid thing to say? He's like always got before. something stupid to no. say. Um, so for me, last year, you know, I've always been big into mobile hunting, but last year I made the switch over to um, climbing sticks and a lock-on. And my goal last year was to only hunt from that for that style. Um, so I didn't do any trimming like prior to the season or anything. Yeah, you weren't hunting any permanent um, spots. I had virgin sits every single day I was out, which is... it was. Can we not... He's just first time in. I'm gonna call like it a the virgin. Vir- sit. You don't like the virgin set. It just doesn't hit. It's kind of like tidbit. I <laughs> have been. For you. If you listen back, I've been saying tidbit at least once an episode. Yeah, I know. They do sound pretty similar. Tidbit and virgin sit. That's wow. Pretty close. No wonder I like saying both of them. So <laughs> yeah. there I am with all my virgin sets, and I'm gonna just give you this tidbit in from. I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Nick, give us a tidbit on virgin sits. <laughs> Uh, you'll see more deer that way if you're doing it strategically. Uh, last year, I did see a ton of deer. Um, passed on a lot of bucks that I will admittedly would have shot any other year, but had something spectacular. Don't listen to him, guys. Tom, lying. you guys all These know. monster bucks he's passed, and they're probably I didn't. Not once did I say monster. Did I, did I even these say huge, the size of these bucks? I thought you said Boone and Crockett bucks that I was passing up on a regular basis. Yeah, that's what you exactly said. what I said. Every they, night. And it's easy because they can just, you know, hit that back 15 seconds there and they, they can just rehear all of it. But anyways, um, it you know, I ate tag soup this year because passed on all these booners <laughs> after this Finally, Pope and Young it. buck that I was after, you know. But anyways, um, so 
I didn't do any trimming. If I did, it was like in the stand. like Just get to up. move stuff out yeah. of the way your bow. So you did do trimming. Well, I wouldn't call it trimming because a lot of it was just within arm's reach and just a little snap of a twig with my hand. I didn't use any trimming devices. So it's kind of a gray area. Did no. you? Pretty cut and clear. <laughs> well, I didn't cut Get it anything cut either. Cut and broke, clear because we're talking about. I just broke stands. it down the way Great I joke. do it. You know, there's lots of puns we've got going on there. Um, Haven't laughed at one. Yeah, um, but one thing I do want to throw in on you know shot angle and stuff like that. Um, I started last year, especially actually when me and Frank went to Ohio. Um, I dropped Ohio. two. Of, I dropped two of my sticks and was just doing my climbing. Stand or my lock on and two climbing sticks, um, and that was putting me in About like a, ten feet. Yeah, I was like eight to twelve there, and at that height, you know, I was. I mean, I was staying secluded. I was doing a lot of like in hemlocks or oak yeah. trees and stuff. Um, I felt confident that you know, if you had that shot inside ten yards, because I wasn't up that high, I still felt like I could get a double long hit easily. Yeah, and like you said, you're not putting that setup, you know, eight to ten feet or 8 to 12 feet, you're not putting that in, you know, a cherry tree out in the open. You know, you're putting that somewhere that you're secluded, so even though you're I've a little got, bit like, lower. I've got, like, most of the time, I'm, it's, you've got one window for them to walk and shoot, like, in your, that's yeah. it. I mean, I was... I so even though you're lower, you don't have, you're not out in the open. You yeah, know? the one, I was literally standing out on that limb on that oak tree. I was, I sent you that picture. I'd yeah. actually, I got in, put my stand up, didn't like... The position I was at, so I used my stand as another climbing stick, and then just stood on a branch for my hunt because it was I just really badass over here. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't gonna say it, but uh, pretty cool. I'm Nick. I hunt on sticks. Ugh, I'll just stand on a branch. It's <laughs> exactly how they did it in the olden days, and they were killing big bucks. So they probably just sat on the ground. No, or in a tree stand. Uncle Frank will tell you about him climbing trees and mm-hmm. using a two by six as his tree stand. That's two by six more than you've had. <laughs> it anyway. was. Any hooser. Um, so that's it for my virgin sits. Um, given all the, the tidbits I have. <laughs> I feel like playing that meow game on Super Troopers. <laughs> I've got to say it a certain amount of time before the podcast ends. We should play uh, that game next week. I won't be here next week, guys. <laughs> Why? Because he doesn't want to be part of that game. Oh. <laughs> it's I thought one you of those would. airplane jokes. <laughs> Just went right over my head. Um, so yeah, the uh, last thing on our list, but not least, yeah, is uh, calls and attractants, and this is during the season, like while you're hunting, um, i.e., buck grunts, yeah. rattling horns, uh, doe bleats, snort wheezes, all that, everything, growl calls, whatever you want, chatter baits. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge caller. I never have been. I don't really use a lot of scents either. I'm pretty much just putting myself where I think they're going to be, and that's it. I'll grunt a little bit. I have done some snort wheezing and a little bit of bleeding, but that's it. I never rattle. I never go crazy with my grunting. Or, you know, I don't do, like, elaborate sequences at timed intervals. You know, I just, if it feels right, I'll, I'll let Every it out. Every seven and a half minutes, I let out three long, slow grunts. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I just don't, excuse me, um, I've just never really felt like it was necessary. You know, where I set myself up, I'm putting myself on traffic areas and places that they're already going to be, and if I do, you know, let out some light grunts or bleats, it's because I'm already looking at something, it's just, you know, I want to bring it a little bit closer. It's just out of bow range, 
I just want to bring it to me a little bit. So I don't go nuts. I'll just, you know, let out a little light sound to get their attention and pique their curiosity to make them move 10 feet. You know, that, that's about it as far as my calling and sense. Tom, I know you have a differing opinion. Yeah, I don't shut the hell up when I'm loud and proud. Yeah, um, yeah, I like to get it going, shake the things up, shake things up. You know, well, I like. Yeah, here you go. No, and uh, yeah, it's worked well for me. So what I like to do, this is coming from a little bit of advice from a longtime friend of mine. Is this just a tidbit of advice you're going to give here? No, this is more than a tidbit. This is a lot of bit. Yeah. Long time, long time friend of mine, Stan. He taught me this trick. Do I know Stan? Potts. I don't know if you've oh. met him or not. Long time. <laughs> yeah, friend. we go way back. Way back. Stan Actually, Potts. I think he was featured on a hunting video or two, um, like back in the day. He's got some good bucks. Yeah, I mean, there's a few on his wall. Not bad. But he showed me this trick, and guys, I swear by it. It's it's done me good. It's never led me astray. Sorry, I'm getting a little loud. I'm getting excited here. <laughs> you keep so it's changing, worth getting excited You keep over. changing your distance on the mic. Yeah, you'll have that in these big jobs. It's exciting stuff. So what I like to do is I'll let out a doe bleat, okay? Like like an estrus bleat. Now, Actually, hold on. Let me rewind the tape. Early season. <laughs> thanks. Early season, I don't call. I'm just hunting food sources, hunting the, the deer pattern. When the rut kicks in, that's, oh yeah. That's when yep. the calling kicks in? Yeah. What I like to do is I like to let out an estrus bleat. Let the bucks know, hey. Just one or a sequence? I like to do three. I don't, I don't know why. Three is just Three right. long, very slow honks. <laughs> and I don't, not like right in a row, not like meh, meh, meh. It's like meh, meh. And a little quiet one like yep. that. And then another loud one. About t- five, ten seconds in between. There's no real math behind it. It's just whatever. Feels you'll right. you'll feel. We it. know Tom and his math's not good, so don't. When I'm, when you I'm got kid you. I'm I'm gonna name drop here. Extinguisher. That's my grunt Dear tube. Society. Yeah, they, yeah. It's good it's stuff. My favorite call. You can just slide from fawn, bleat, estrus bleat. Butt grunt, butt growl, all on the same call. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It is super handy. So, yeah, let out some estrus bleats. Especially when you got deer in front of you. Like, you don't want to be playing with different things. It's just, yeah. you never have to move your hand. It's just slide your thumb up and down. Right. So, let out some of them bleats, and then I wait about 10 minutes. And then, what I like to do is let out some trailing grunts. Which are just like quick ones. Yeah, when a buck's trailing, they're like, it's almost like with his breath. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a cool sound hearing a buck come ripping through. Because at first it's like, what the hell is that? And then it's like, oh, (laughs) here he comes. Yeah. So now any other buck in that area is like, oh crud! I just heard this doe, and now a buck's trailing her. Like that's that's supposed to be my doe, (laughs) not in my house. So I wait a little bit. And then I let out, I, I wait probably about a minute and a half. And then I let out a cha- one challenger grunt, followed by two snort wheezes. Oh, man. Yeah. Getting serious. You're just down to like a science of exact. Yeah. Two of this, one of that, a dash of this. Yeah. And it, 
It works. Cup of sugar and yeah, you're good This to go. should be your write it in pen. Because <laughs> this, it calls them right in. So two snort wheezes. And then I wait about 30 seconds. And then I grab my rattle bag and smash it up against the tree. And that is the stand pod special. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing quiet about it. And I go, I'm, yeah, just bust them rattling horns up. Really throw sticks around. Just cause a Make big a old ruckus. scene. Yeah, because when two bucks are fighting in the woods, they're not just locking horns. They're kicking up leaves and snapping sticks, brushing up against all kinds of crap, making a it's heck a of a fight. It makes one hell of a noise. Yeah, it's wild. So I try and mimic that. And then, after that, I let it settle down. I wait about five minutes. And then I let out a tending grunt, which is the buck breeding the doe. And that, that paints the whole picture. Okay, there's a hot doe in the area. A buck started trailing her. Another buck got pissed off, fought her for it. One buck won, and now he's breeding the doe. And I tell you what, one time... or. More than one time, but one time hunting for ten years. One time this worked. <laughs> no, one night in particular. This sequence, I did it five times. Brought in five different bucks. Now they were just yearlings and two and a half year olds. But that's not what this story is about. No, I'm telling you. I mean, this is also Amish country, so I don't think there was a plethora of not a bunch of five and a half year olds running around. Yeah, but I'm sure if there were, they would have been there. Oh yeah. But, the dominant bucks came. Yeah, the dominant bucks in that area, they showed up. And a lot of the time, you don't even get to do the whole sequence because it, it's a process. It takes some time. But a lot of times you get cut off halfway through because you grab you're your grabbing bow. your bow. So, yeah, that's that's my thing. And it's never led me astray. Yeah, uh, so... One other time... Oh, here we go. Twice when I was fishing. <laughs> so, up at our my premium hunting spot up there, big camp. Nine bucks in one night. That's that's my record. You're like Tom telling war stories. There, every time this story gets told, there's more bucks. <laughs> no, that's that's the How most. How many Pope and Youngs are in the, this time? One. Just starting to go down. How about that? That's all there ever was, but. It worked. That's all that matters. Yeah. Because oh, the rest were booners. Is that what you're going to say? No, the rest were anywhere from 100 to inches to spikes. But um, yeah, couldn't seal the deal on him. It was, was pretty. On the spike? No, he was a big nine pointer. Hmm. Anyway. You, are you a nine, like a pointer or a point kind Did of Did you guy? hear what I just said? Yeah, but like sometimes people say different things depending on the context. I never say pointer. I'm always a pointer. If it's an I, odd number, see, I feel like I lean more towards towards pointer. See, it's like that's point, a nice it's always point, point for me unless you get to the thirty pointer buck. Yeah, you know, see okay. that thirty pointer. So it's a twenty nine point, and then once you hit 30, after that, when you tell people, did you see the thirty pointer? That's when I start throwing er on okay. them. No, for me, it's it's odd bucks or er even bucks are just they're just point. Just yeah, point. like you got a big eight point, a big ten point. Or you got a big nine pointer or a big eleven pointer. What about seven? Seven pointer. Five. I, th- we don't I think need it's to go universe. through every odd number, Nick. <laughs> I was gonna 
But if you're just going to sum it up you, there. Yeah, we're, that's where we're going to stop. Okay. Yeah. Am I allowed to talk about baits and attract or attractants and How about scent, calls? scents and calls? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even talk about oh calls. Oh, my God. Yeah, you <laughs> did. That's all Sense. you talked about was Sense. calls. <laughs> If you didn't talk about calls, what the hell have you been rambling about? Yeah, I about? didn't even talk about sense. Because you don't make no sense. <laughs> How can I make sense when i got millions on my mind? Tom, why don't you tell us what you use? Post Malone. Uh, I don't. Not a big scent guy. Every once in a while, I'll put some estrus on my boot when I walk in. But, uh, yeah. That's Maybe the end of the road. I used to use candles, but... I've tried the candles a couple of times. I had but problems with them blowing out. Yeah, that's... Well, you got to put them in the windproof, too. They're in, but they're not windproof. I can promise you probably weren't doing it right. But even if they're not burning, the candle still has quite a bit of scent not burning. Tell you what, my Uncle Mark used to swear by him. Said he used to have bucks burn their nose on them. Yeah, I've had that happen. Never a mature buck, but... I've had them work, but it it wasn't like it was super consistent. I I would never say that the deer... I don't think it's ever hurt me. No, it's never hurt, but I wouldn't say, like, the deer was going somewhere else, smelled the candle, and came right to me. I tell you what. I feel like they were already coming, those, and they just went over to check out what that was since they were already right there. Have, have those pretty much, like, fallen off, like, the market? Like, I have not seen those. I mean— You could never get them at our local, well, like, spoiler big alert, I don't use scents anymore. But um, I don't, like, remember recall seeing them recently at any stores. We or, never had them at big stores. Yeah. It was, like, one bow shop. Yeah. Oh, really? That had them. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, so this is one just... person would go down there and buy them for yeah. Right, well, and then I wanna, everybody up We'll here. just throw this out for the listeners. If they're familiar with candles, do you use them? Have you used them? And how do they work for you? Because that's now that I realized that it was just that. Like I, th- I was young when we were doing it at first. Yeah, that was a long. I time didn't realize ago. that it was like just one place we were getting these candles. So I'm curious to see who else is using these. Yeah, you know, we mm-hmm. tried making our own homemade ones, but mom got real pissed when we started dumping dough estrus inside the house. She so, wasn't in love with that. No, plan. believe it or not. Huh. Used her good pots and everything. But all right, so I'm going to talk a little bit since we're on the uh, scents and stuff. Um, little evolution. Uh, I used to be big, big time scent guy. You know, estrus on my boots walking in. Even there was a point where I was hanging estrus wafers on my hat in the stand all day. <laughs> like, I'm sure that was delicious. It's it, uh, it stunk. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just got to, when you do stuff like that, you feel like you're really into it yeah. and you're hardcore. You you're know, really it's like, becoming one with the woods. It's like standing on a tree limb while you're hunting. Yeah. It's just, you know, you have that wafer hanging on your hat. It You just, you feel like you're really roughing it. Um, well, I got to a point where I realized that my hat smells like piss, and I'm not killing anything. So there's uh, time to change something. Yeah. So we're starting start, with the piss smelling hat. Yeah, the piss hat is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't use scents anymore uh, because I never felt like they helped at all ever. Um, just never saw it work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to calls, uh, I used to be big time caller, you know, and I think it did more harm than good. Actually, I know it did a lot more heart or harm than good because, you know, big buck comes in and I just get impatient and, you know, got to let out 47 well, grunts. Buck comes in the field, you know, 80 yards out. And I'm like, well, if he was going to come here, he would have done it by now. So I better start calling. Uh, and it just, it never worked for me. So, and then even, you know, a buck that just gets outside of range, I just start grunting like an idiot as he's walking panic away. Panic and hoping he yeah, comes it's, back. Yeah, it was like panic grunts. Um, 
and rattling and stuff. I just, I never had anything besides like young bucks screwing around with a grunt tube. Yeah. I've never had any reaction to any calls. Um, so probably about the past two years, they've been in my bag, but I don't use them anymore. And mm-hmm. this year, honestly, I'm probably just going to drop them completely because I just don't even want the temptation anymore because like it just, I had two opportunities where I had bucks in range that I wanted to kill that I just, I couldn't capitalize on. And one of them I did, you know, he got out side of range like he snuck in on me he got outside and i just started grunting like an idiot like i hadn't i haven't used a grunt tube in a year and i just because it was there i was like i gotta give this a shot gotta make something happen i just i feel like i like taking the approach of being on their like killing them on their natural trail yeah i don't want that's how i don't want to influence them in any way anymore um and i think what happened was i grunted like that and i just gave away my location and i didn't see that buck again in that area yeah and it doesn't sound natural when you're just yeah, making stupid it, sounds exactly because it was panicking um like i said i i hunted that area a few more times the rest of that week and never saw that buck through there and i mean that could have nothing to do with my call but that's yeah. how i associated so yeah this year i think the calls are staying home i'm just not going to use them right on so does anybody have any like wrap-up remarks that they want to say no i think i think we about covered white cat palooza be there or be square July 25th, 2020. DM, DM us for us. details. Um, I do want to thank Jimmy for the inspiration for this episode. Um, producing a weekly podcast does get tough to pick topics. Um, so when we got a fan that tells us, you know, hey, I was, you know, doing this and I wanted your guys' opinion on it, it sets it up easy for us to have a podcast. Um, so if anybody out there has something, you know, maybe they're thinking about trying or just anything, you know, send us a message, text us. Uh, we love hearing from people that listen, um, and we'd be glad to talk about it on a podcast. Like this one was about eighty-five percent from Jimmy's questions, so mm-hmm. we really appreciate those, um, and hope to do more podcasts like this in the future. Because I know we've talked amongst ourselves, and as fun as entertaining podcasts are, and everything, we do like to be informative, um, so people can learn something while they're listening. So when you guys come to questions or give us questions, it tells us what our listeners want to learn about yeah and it makes it really easy for us to be informative and we can best we can do is tell you how it's worked for us or didn't work for us so thanks again jimmy um it's it's a hot one out there but uh make sure you guys are getting outside